All right, y'all can start making your way back to your seats. What's going on, YTH? How we feeling? There we go. Come on. Everybody say, hey. There we go. We're back together. So for anyone who hasn't been here the past few weeks, Pastor Monty has been teaching us a series called Entrepreneurship. And to sum that up, it has basically been being the first out the door to take a risk for Jesus. And we will be diving into the power of relationship. For anyone taking notes, that will be the title, The Power of Relationship. And we're going to start out with Hebrews verse, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith in the days of old, they earned a good reputation. And I did some, some digging on what this meant in the original context And when they say earned a good reputation, it meant four things, but three of them really apply to where we're going today, and that's to bear witness or to be a witness, to give honorable testimony, and to give testimony and not hold it back. And where we're going today, the central question is, is my life continuing on my walk with Jesus or is it stagnant? And what are we doing to advance our walk, or what are we doing to not advance our walk? Are we the first out the door to go take a risk for the people in society that are marginalized? Are we bold enough to go tell our testimony to people who are in the world and who don't associate themselves with any type of church background or church? Even more than just uttering testimony... Do we just show them love? Do we smile at the person who doesn't sit next to anybody at your school? Do we smile to the person who just seems to be so miserable and everyone gets aggravated by them? And if we're not doing that, then how do we do it? And so we're going to dive into Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 and 19. And this dives into when John the Beloved is seeing a vision of heaven and the end times. Jay, could you, could you put it on the, on the screen in the back? Thanks. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed for your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. So a few weeks ago, Pastor Monty preached something very similar to what we're going to dive into today, talking about proximity, how closer you to Jesus, and the closer you are to Jesus reveals how much you know about the relationship and how much you know the value of the relationship with Jesus. And when they say gold being purified by fire, gold in the Bible always represents God's purity because when they purified gold, they would burn all of the impurities out of it until you could see the reflection. You could see your reflection in the gold. That's how you knew it was pure. When God purifies you, he wants to look at you and see what resembles himself. Then the white garments is actually 
a cross-reference to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. This isn't in my notes, but it came to me a few days ago. And it says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make you white as wool. Now here's something that a lot of us go through. We don't, we don't believe the healing power that is said in this book about Jesus because of either our, our background or it may have not been taught to us or we may just not believe it because of things that have happened in our life and we think that Jesus just can't handle it. But in multiple books in the Bible, we see Jesus be a redeemer. Jesus restores people who were Fishers just for their own self-sustaining needs. In the gospel, it says they became fishers of men. Before Jesus, they were doing what they needed to do just to get by. But then when Jesus revives them, they're now going out and outpouring, bringing people to Jesus. Everyone has a God-sized hole in their heart. Are you going to be the first out and take a risk to put your hand on their shoulder and say, there's a better way than this? And what's interesting is John's faith is so radical. He's thrown into boiling oil and he comes out alive, unharmed. Is our faith radical that we can go in the fire knowing that we'll come out okay? If we go in the trial, do we just throw everything away and give up? A common example of this in modern day times is called a Monday in the English language. I don't know about you guys, but every Monday I'm ready to throw in the towel. I know Pastor Monty can agree with me on this. But when we read this, we see that God wants us to be washed clean and redeemed. He wants us to repent And be water baptized. What is repentance? It's not you vocalizing your problems to another person. It's not you saying, oh, well, I'm just going to try to step over this yuck in my life now. And uh, we'll, we'll try again next time. You make a mind change, and that mind change leads to a change of actions. Repentance is not a one and done situation. Every day. Every day you have to change your mind about what you do so you can change your action and live a better life. In Revelations chapter 4, verses 1 and 3. There we go. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. For all of the people who think that God is not a powerful God... His throne room, even outside of this verse, if you read further down in the chapter, his throne room is described hearing this. You hear the sounds of thunder when you're in there. Our God is a powerful God. He is not stoic. He doesn't sit there and stare down at you like you were less than than him. He is powerful. He is loud. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to pour himself into you so you can outpour on other people. But so often we think we know everything about Jesus and who he is, and we think there's no more. I've changed my mind. I've changed my actions. I got dunked in the horse trough by Pastor Matt. I'm good to go. We're going. I I got my ticket to heaven. No, you don't. 
We're, be, we're in the process of being saved. Nothing is for certain while we're walking on this earth. So why would you stop when he wants to pour his spirit into your life? So then it becomes beyond just what I look like. It, it becomes beyond, oh, he looks like somebody I would talk to. No, Jesus lives inside of us. His love is attractive. So people who you thought you could never approach, people who you could never approach on, on your own understanding are now coming up to you and saying, why are you so happy? What is different in your life that I don't have in mine? How can I get that? And John describes, he describes Jesus as somebody who he recognizes, but he doesn't know because he doesn't know everything about Jesus. In the verse, he says, instantly I was in the spirit. Without the spirit, he could not have seen what he saw to write the book of Revelation that so many people have read today. Without the spirit, he would not have had the tool he needed to write that book with divine intervention. The Holy Spirit is for every single person in this room, every single person that God will call. It's for you, your children, and your children's children. It's not a coincidence that not a lot of people are in here today. This church is on such one mind and one accord, I've never even seen it before. Pastor Monty in the back was praying, and the things I heard him saying, Pastor Olga was saying just moments later, multiple times. Half of the things I have in my notes, Pastor Monty preached today. Not everyone who starts this walk is going to end it with you. But if you want to keep going, which I know you all do because you're here today, then you got to get his spirit in you. Because if you don't have empowerment, you can't do anything. You're going to get wrecked every single day. I already get wrecked every single day. <laughs> but he uses Jasper and Carnelian. And I wanted to make sure I talked about this again. Because Pastor Monty talked about it two or three weeks ago. In the Old Testament, Jasper was the first stone in the breastplate that the priest would wear over their garments. And it represented pureness. Carnelian was almost clear, but it had a slight red tint. And it was about redemption. Jesus is the last. He's the first. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He wants to purify you and cleanse you in his blood. Don't tell me you don't need the Old Testament. Because without that thick end of the book, we wouldn't even know what they were saying in like half of Revelations. That's true. I tried to read it like six months ago, and I really, I couldn't hang with that, bro. That was a lot. Pastor Monty talked about just a few verses over like 30 minutes. But he took risks. John took risks writing that book. Because I don't know about you guys, but if somebody had walked up to me and said that the throne of heaven was encircled by a rainbow that was like emeralds, I would have thought they were on some really good mushrooms. And that's just real. That's just the truth. Because when you go on the internet and you see all these crazy TikTok self-ordained preachers or all the people on YouTube saying, well, I was in hell for two minutes and this is what I saw. I swipe the other way. I don't need that nonsense in my life. Why? Because it's not here. To get closer in relationship with Jesus, you've got to be in this book. 
Why? It is literally his own character written in words. Not only that, it is his love letter written to you, each individual, the ones that he numbered the hairs on your head. Every single person he made, he wrote this for each of you in your own different way. Getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes us on another level with Jesus. Again, because without that, John wouldn't have been able to write what he wrote. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can't pray for somebody and all of a sudden you hit the exact situation they're dealing with because it's not really you speaking. Because when he lives through you, he overflows out of you so long as you go by his steps. You plan your life, but the Lord ordains your steps. That's biblical. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. But to take this a step further, in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 4 and 5, when I was on vacation, we were just praying in the morning, and Emily was praying through this chapter, and I heard these two verses, and it just stuck to me, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And it reads, fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills, straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Stop making it so hard for Jesus to walk into your life and do something. When they say walk through the valleys and the hilltops, get over your pride. Oh, Jesus, I've had such a bad day. I can't. I can't talk to you right now. I just need to go and lay in my room and put on the music that doesn't glorify you in any way. And just, I have to get in my zen. Ah, I just have to zone out. Jesus, you don't understand what I'm going through. It's not like you robed yourself in flesh and walked the walk that I walked and died on the cross so my sins could be redeemed. Jesus, you couldn't possibly understand my struggle. Jesus, I I would talk to you, but they just dropped a new season of Stranger Things on Netflix, and it's getting so good. Tomorrow. And then tomorrow you say, later. I have work. I'm busy today, Jesus. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Oh, Jesus, no, I have everything under control. Look how good I'm doing. Look at all the money that I'm making with my business, except my family's falling apart. I have nothing put together when I leave my work. I'm at work all the time, so my family doesn't even know who I am when I walk through the door. Level it out. You're going to have good times and you're going to have bad times, but level out your life so Jesus can fight the things that are actually tormenting you. Because over half the time, you don't even know what it is. Like Pastor Monty was saying, I'm pretty sure that my check engine light didn't turn on because I ran over the railroad track going 60 miles an hour. But it's on and I need your help to fix it. But I don't think that's why it happened, but it was. And I know he was joking, but that's how we think. Because when we're not speaking to our leaders about what's going on in our lives, and we're not speaking to the people who are on the same level spiritually as us about what's going on, all we're going to know is the thoughts that are in our own head. And they're always going to slide in our favor. So how am I going to be able to make disciples if I'm constantly trying to make myself feel better because I'm not in here and I'm not speaking to the people I need to be speaking to throughout the week. 
we're not supposed to be in this building for 45 minutes to an hour once a week. To make disciples, to make relationships with people, because you don't make disciples in, in this scenery right here. This is us just learning about Jesus together. You make disciples by going out to eat with someone, going to hang out with somebody after church, going to see what they like to do, learning about them, hearing their story, telling them, their, telling them your story, building trust with one another. Because God didn't build you to walk this earth by yourself. It's about you and him overflowing onto them. It's not about him constantly lifting you up just so you don't have to do anything. When you, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you haven't, I guarantee you, you're going to feel great for like 30 minutes. And then after that, you are going to get stomped on when you walk out this church. But you'll be all right because Jesus is inside of you. What this verse really spoke to me is to stop making human crutches. Stop putting things in between you and Jesus. When things get uncomfortable, don't back away. Embrace it. He's got you. He knows where you're going. It's not like he didn't set this out for you to walk it. Pick up your mat and walk. I know Tony knows a lot about that. She loves that Bible verse. There you go. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, but I want us to go back into worship strategically. So I have three points to close us out. First one is don't think you know everything about Jesus. Don't think you're done where you are, because I promise you you're not, because Pastor Monty always tells us about how he's still being refined in things in his life. And he's like literally more than double my age. So I know I got, I'm 10. He's 25. Got you. But if John had seen, the, John walked with this man for almost his entire time in ministry. Walked with him, was friends with him, sat and looked at him in his face and spoke with him, shared meals with him. But when he came and when he saw the vision, he said, I know I don't know everything about him because what I'm seeing is him and I've never seen this before. Don't put limits on yourself. Let Jesus put the limits on you. Jesus knows what you can handle. You don't. Because if you told me that I would be doing this three years ago, I would have smacked you upside the head. I would have said, you're crazy. I could never do that. And with less than 20 people, here we are. The second one is get surrounded with people who are also trying to grow with Jesus or are growing with Jesus. Get in a small group. But don't just consistently go to that small group. Interact with these people throughout the week. We have these awesome things called cell phones. They're really neat. You can call people and talk to them when they're not in the same room as you, or in the same room if you want. Facts. Last one, make Jesus your only crutch. 
Worship him how he wants to be worshipped. Well, how do I do that? That's not where I came from. When I went to churches in high school, we sat up and down and, and sat back down and stood up. And then we heard a guy talk, and then we sat back down, and then we ate the cracker, and then we sat back down, and then we went back to class. But that's not what Jesus wants us to do. And I'm not making fun of the specific religion I grew up in, because every single religion will contradict the Bible in one way or another. Catholic, Baptist, Beyonceism, Jediism, real religions, by the way. Oh, thanks, Cam. I got it. Mom, can you hold this for me? Thank you. Love you. But people say, well, how do, how do I do that? Oh, my gosh, what is he doing? He's putting himself in a position of vulnerability. I can't believe he's doing this. Wow. Wow. What, what has happened in his life to make him so okay with getting on his knees, putting his hands in the air and saying, you are greater than my situation. You know exactly what I'm going through. You know what I will go through. Jesus, I need you now. I know who you are. I know who I am because of who you are. Prove it to me. So why don't we do it if we know that that's the answer to our problems? Why do we continue to hold our things so close to our heart and Jesus is trying to hand us something and we're saying, no, I have to hold on to this, Jesus. You can't have this. You couldn't possibly know what this feels like. No, these are my family issues. This is my drug addiction. This is my porn addiction. Oh no, Jesus, this is my alcohol abuse. You can't have this. Because he didn't save everyone from it already? before he spoke the world into existence. When they post the sermon this Sunday morning online, go watch it. Because it's probably a big reason why nobody else is here today, Pastor Monty. So thanks. Half of my crowd is gone because you bumped them beyond all belief. But we need that. We have to get uncomfortable. It's not comfortable for me to come to Jesus like this and say, I need you. I can't do it by myself. I can't provide for myself and my family if you're not in the center of it. You're seeking. So hit the altar and let him give you what he needs to give you for you to walk out that door and be more effective than you've ever been. What does it mean to give it all to Jesus? Take it. I don't want it. I don't need it. And when I walk away, I'm not going to go pick it back up. Take it. So as we go back into worship, I don't want people to be hesitant. I'm so tired of seeing people be hesitant and just standing in the back and being comfortable with having the, like there's one dude with his, his hands in his back pockets and he was just, just bobbing and we, No! Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. Thank you for saving me from certain death because I shouldn't be alive right now, but I'm here delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And nothing, and I mean nothing, will ever stop me. So don't let anything stop you. Look the devil in his face and say he is a fraud and a liar and he has no hold over your life. Because we're going to a new place. We're going to meet new people. More people will be baptized in the spirit than we've ever seen. You don't believe me? 
then act like it. More people will be baptized in the Spirit than we've ever seen. There will be a revival in Jesus' name. People from all walks of life will come to know his name. People who have heard him all his life. People who have never heard his name before. It's, it's, it's so amazing that not a lot of us are here. We have a big altar that all of us can go and lift our hands up and say, Jesus, do something in me. Fix me. Take my impurities. Put me through the fire. I know it may hurt a little bit, but when I get out, I'll be a new creation. And then the evidence will show and I'll speak in your heavenly language. It's not just for the people in Acts chapter two. It's for every person in this room. Jesus set this up tonight. Stop being scared. He loves you. He wants to breathe his spirit in you. I don't, this wasn't even where I'm going, but I'm just so hooked on this. Everyone come up to the front. Everyone come up to the front. I'm not playing games because Jesus will always do what he needs to do no matter who shows up. And I want everyone to put their hands in the air. Do what you need to do. Get in the most vulnerable position that you know how to do. Get uncomfortable. Get on your knees and start shouting to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. Jesus, this is what I need in my life. Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to love you more. I want to make disciples. Do something in me that you've never done before.